and they said, oh, we didn't know that the church was dealing with these issues. How relevant, how interesting. In John's Gospel, Thomas is often affirmed for asking the questions. Are we creating churches where people can ask questions that many of us want to ask? But we are invited by God and we have actually the task to work in his kingdom. And science is part of that, exploring his wonderful world. Hello and welcome to Faith at the Frontiers, the podcast that confronts challenges to the Christian faith with hope. This is episode four in our ECLAS series, which looks at concrete engagements with science in various Christian contexts. And this episode features a range of expertise, theology, science, and children's books, among other things, to tell us how to make the most of the scientists in our local churches and to help us and them see how much they have to offer to the life of the church and beyond the church to the local community. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, it's my very great pleasure to introduce our three guests for this episode on scientists in congregations. We have with us David Wilkinson, Professor Professor David Wilkinson, I should say, Principal of St. John's College, the University of Durham, and Director of ECLAS. Thank you for joining us, David. Glad to be here, Barney. And also with us is Petra Crofton, who's a biologist and a philosopher from the Netherlands, who works for... God and the Big Bang, and is also a children's author. Thank you for joining us, Petra. Thanks so much for having me. And last but not least, we have with us Deb Fozard, Director of Sunderland Connect Network, who works with churches and charities in Sunderland. Welcome, Deb. Hello, lovely to be here. So we're here to talk about scientists in congregations, or am I allowed to shorten that to SIC or even SIC? Is it called sick? Probably not sick. That, not that sick, okay. The, the wrong kind of impression. <laughs> but SIC is fine, I think. SIC, Scientists in Congregations. And David, I think you're best place to give us a little introduction to what Scientists in Congregations is. So would you mind doing that? Not at all. This is a programme that goes back some decades and has been used in many different parts of the world, particularly North America, And there have been programs both in the UK as a whole, as Scotland's had its own program. And so it's been used a number of times. Mm -hmm. At the core of it is the conviction that within any local church or local congregation, there are those who are working out their discipleship as practicing scientists. Now, they may be science teachers in the local school. They may be nuclear physicists. They may be working in engineering or technology in a local factory. They may be students doing A-level science. And for many of these folk, to do science or technology is a Christian vocation. It's part of their discipleship. And so scientists in congregations, first of all, is an attempt to affirm science as a Christian vocation, a gift from God that we can follow in terms of our profession to serve God as a disciple in the world. But secondly, then, this is a huge resource for local churches 
to engage with in mission, ministry, and service of their local community. And often, scientists within certain congregations feel they have to keep their head down. They're a bit fearful of being known as scientists because people around them wonder about, oh, this dodgy science stuff, are they really Christians? (laughs) Scientists in congregations recognizes the vocation of many within the congregation actually can enrich the mission and ministry and service that the church offers to its local community and indeed wider. And ECLAS took over this as a sub-project, partly because we wanted to affirm the vocation of scientists in congregations, partly we wanted to encourage churches to use this as a resource. But thirdly, we were convinced that these scientists in congregation projects would become exemplars of healthy engagement of science and theology, of science and Christian faith. And that as we worked at influencing and helping and supporting and equipping Christian leaders, actually seeing some of these projects at a local level, in a local church, would help them see the importance of the subject. What we were astonished by, and we'll hear more about this from my colleagues here, is the imagination and the boldness of approaches. When we started this, we thought we might get churches having five lectures on science and theology, and that's about all they would do. What we were astonished by was the creativity that when a church leader works with a scientist, either in the church or indeed part of the local community, you get resources and you get creativity, which you never imagined. So people find all sorts of ways of showing their fruitful engagement between science and theology. Very much. And these are fruitful, creative encounters. To give you a couple of examples, if I may, from my colleagues. So one church had a number of um, playwrights, actors in its congregation, alongside a number of scientists. And so out of that church has has come a couple of plays about science and theology. One on the book of Job, where Job is in the role of a scientist. Oh, wow. Another on the subject of artificial intelligence. And these plays have toured the country Uh, one-act plays, raising some of the questions involved in science, suffering, artificial intelligence. And then local churches have provided a panel of scientists from their own area then to discuss some of the ethical, moral, theological issues that come out of it. Another project was called Take Your Vicar Into the Lab. Take Your Vicar Into the Lab. That's right. Not to dissect your vicar in the lab. (laughs) but to allow your church leader to see science at work, to encounter the vocation of scientists, to see some of the difficult and joyful questions that science raises. And so local church leaders were invited into the workplace of local scientists to find out what it was all about. And that was transformative for the church leaders and for the scientists. And for the churches in general, I suppose, once the vicar starts to use what they've learned in their sermons and in the way that they engage with the church. I think that's right. Now, we're not talking about, in a sense, educating vicars. 
in order to fill them up with scientific material. Some of that happens. I think it's more about helping church leaders engage with science, to see it as gift, and therefore to involve the gifts and graces of scientists within the congregations, sometimes to do the things that the vicar or the priest or the pastor can't do themselves and actually didn't even think about doing themselves. Yeah, that's amazing. Very creative and imaginative projects that seem to be coming out of this initiative. Deb, can you tell us about your involvement with SIC? It's been a real privilege to be on this journey. So I, my role is a more of a facilitator role. I've got relationships with churches across the city and uh, recognise that a lot of churches are struggling with individuals that come through the church doors who are struggling with mental health, trauma, addiction. I'd already been engaging with my colleague, Rebecca, who is a, a psychotherapist. We'd already been talking about these issues. So we've been, our project is called Faith in Mind. And, Faith in um, Mind. Yeah, Faith in Mind. And we are working with a group of people to enable them to understand sort of neuroscience, how our mind works, which oh. then affects our behaviour. So to remove some of the stigma around mental health, especially yeah. in churches. Yes. Uh, that's an aspect of science and religion, science and theology engagement that people don't normally think of. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I didn't think of this as science. I hear the word science and think of something much different. Through, through our journey, we've learned about this as well and understanding what science is and that, how relevant it is. I'm learning as well as we go. Yeah. Yeah. The whole field of psychology sort of brings together a number of concerns at the same time, doesn't it? It can be done in a very scientific way. It can also be done in a very sort of social way. And it can be done in a way that's very philosophical and has clear theological implications about what is the mind? How does the mind relate to the brain and to the spirit? And then when mental health issues come up, there can be explanations for them coming from both sort of traditional Christian ideas and uh, more modern scientific ideas, which can sometimes seem to conflict, but can also beautifully sort of complement each other as well. Yeah. And I think that's what we've learned, that the church often sees the world's way of thinking as over there. And it's it really, that's been a barrier to us supporting people, that we are more than spirit. And so understanding how the mind works and our emotions and um, understanding ourselves as human beings. Um, yeah, because you can get errors on both sides. You can get people who say we're only, our brains are just chemicals having little synapse reactions. And to those people, you want to say we're more than just physics. But then also to Christians, you want to say, but the physics is actually an important factor in the way that we think and the way that we experience flourishing in the world. Absolutely. And it's, and I think to have that holistic understanding, then we can, we're more set to be able to help people appropriately, which is what we're starting to find in ourselves as well as the people that we're aiming to support. That's a really interesting angle. What I love about this project is the illustration there in what Deb's saying about how the understanding then leads to ministry and real engagement with some of the work that local churches are doing. Yeah. So it's not just a, a fascinating theoretical discussion about mind and brain and 
the nature of what it means to be human, but also by working through a local church, this discussion is earthed in real questions of ministry and real questions of how you serve people in your local community. And that's a wonderful example of scientists and congregations, I think. Yeah, it seems to me to bear the mark of much of what I've seen in ECLAS throughout this podcast series, that it's not just about the abstract theoretical questions about how science relates to the Christian faith, but it's very much about the concrete experiences of ordinary people on the ground grappling with what the culture tells them about what science is and about what Christianity is, and sometimes feeling forced to take sides between the two, or sometimes feeling forced to silo off their experience one way or the other. And Eccles is really trying to do work very much on the ground in the ordinary congregation. Yeah. And I think Eccles. church leaders are particularly important in this, in that if church leaders can get a sense of the importance of what this means and the new possibilities that science and particularly scientists and technologists can help with the church. This is really important because in often in the past, technologists in the church have been often relegated to the people who look after the video projector, <laughs> who do the church website, whereas actually there's much, much more riches in what scientists and technologists can offer to the work of the church than just you know, how the video projector works. Yeah. It's not just about the how-tos, but it can actually contribute to the life of the church in its very essence. That's very powerful. Petra, can you say a little bit about your involvement with this project? So at our local Anglican church, we've been running a project called Science, Faith and Creation Care, which was Science, inspired... Science, Faith and Creation Care. That's right. That project has been inspired by a lifelong passion and vision for, on the one hand, reconciling science and especially paleontology, geology, biology and Bible and living a life as a, a Christian committed to God and the word of God. And on the other hand, our stewardship role called Adam was called to look after God, God's creation. That's still the same for us. When I grew up in the Netherlands as a student and even a teenager, I felt quite isolated because in the church, they didn't think that you should trust science, especially the age of the earth and the Big Bang, all that, and evolution. Well, it seems to be quite a common story, huh? Many yes, people growing up in Christian communities where they're told to be a bit wary of what scientists are saying. And then at university, others who didn't have a belief looked at me with some suspicion. Arriving in the UK was actually very refreshing because I feel here there are a lot more theologians like N.T. Wright and even C.S. Lewis and, of course, David Wilkinson and Dennis Alexander, who are advocates for science on the one hand and biblical faith on the other hand. So More a productive relationship between the two instead of a sort of conflict or opposition. That's right. So I felt very encouraged by that. But I thought, what would I have loved as a child, a teenager, a student in the Netherlands, which is actually having access to information about how the two complement one another. And so... In our project, we've been working with children, young people, but also people into their 80s through a monthly sermon series, sometimes about topics like evolution and creation, other times about climate change and science and our responsibility for creation. But we've also gone into schools to run book clubs, 
I've written two books about science and faith, adventure stories, using those, letting the children write their own stories, running awesome science workshops and doing a Lent course to go a bit deeper. And we've taken people into the countryside, the beautiful Cotswolds, to explore geology. We are lucky, I think, to have so many fossils, which are evidence of what life was there on Earth many millions of years ago. I think that's, that helps people. So that's, that's incredible. in a nutshell what we've been doing. Could you, could you tell wonderful. us the titles of these books that you've written? They're books for children, is that right? They're aimed at children. The one about science and faith is called Science Geek Sam and his secret logbook that explores anything from dinosaurs to astronomy and oh. evolution. And the other one is Science Geek Christy and her eco-logbook, all about biodiversity, our environmental crisis and climate change. But well, they're upbeat. Those in the notes, they sound really interesting. Thank you. They're upbeat stories. They're hopefully fun, but they also raise questions and hopefully address some of these questions. Even young children have. We found that in our services, all age services, where we engaged with the congregation, some five-year-olds piped up with amazing questions about either plastic pollution or evolution. Oh, yeah, five-year-olds can be some of the ones with the most penetrating theological questions, can't they? Yes. And I think, isn't it great to have someone like Petra actually been around to be able to pick those up? Because a mere physicist like me actually has no idea. I only know a little bit about a little bit of science. But with Petra's background, actually what comes from Petra, which still might be, I don't know every answer to every question, but it comes with that authority of someone who's worked and knows the area. And that, just imagine the difference of that to just a general church leader being asked about these things. Yeah. Many vicars or pastors might be asked about questions around science, but actually having people like Petra around within the congregation to engage with these questions takes the conversation to a completely different level, whether it's adults or children. And if a pastor or a priest is wise to use the people within their congregation and the gifts of people who can write children's stories, I wouldn't know where to start with writing a children's story. But I mean, no, that's, that's quite a, a wonderful thing, absolutely, that you get out of this kind of programme. But then I wouldn't be able to do an uh, intellectual lecture or write an academic paper. So we all come in with our own giftings. I think like a child, I think. I think, you know, that for me is, is that biblical image of the body of Christ. That actually we're not meant to all do the same thing. But the different gifts that, that we share, myself, Deb, Petra, you, Barney, we all have those gifts which we contribute to the body of Christ. It's just sometimes in the past, scientists have been there twiddling their thumbs, waiting to be asked, waiting to be invited to share their gifts. And I think that sense of we, particularly now, because of the ease of communication, the insights from Deb's project, the insights from Petra's project, actually now can be shared by your podcast with lots of different churches so that, you know, you may not have a neuroscientist in your church. You may not have... A biologist who can write children's stories. 
Exactly. Or even someone who knows just a little bit about astrophysics. But now, actually, through this project, we can produce resources that other churches can use for their own ministry. Yeah, that's incredible. So can you tell me, any of you, what surprises did you encounter as part of implementing these projects? Were there some attitudes you didn't expect, some pushback or criticism you didn't expect, or some welcome surprises as well? What did you find out that you weren't expecting? I can answer. On, I would be half of the faith in mind. It's been quite enlightening for us. It, so we've been gathering. We've got a group of 25 people that are attending the, the workshops regularly because we wanted to go deep into a group of people so that these people are positioned within their churches to help people coming through the doors so that they have got an understanding and they can be the, the go-to person if anybody's struggling. But what we've has been a surprise to us that, and the surprise to the individual as well, is they've recognised their personal need through this process. And I think because of the material in the workshops, a lot of it has been about connecting with who we are. And mm. so as part as well as doing the workshops, we've, we do one-to-ones with a smaller group. And I think particularly out of that, we found that because everybody's putting everybody else first, which is a typical culture of Christianity in churches, that they're serving other people, recognising where the needs are and serving people, that the participants themselves haven't actually got somebody else to support them and to listen to them. And I think that has come about because of raising awareness of self. So they've become self-aware and recognised actually they have issues as well, and they need That's incredible. They they went into it to help others, but they ended up finding that the material was actually bringing healing to themselves first. That then enables them to help other people. That seems to me a sort of microcosm of what of what this whole project has done. The way David described it at the beginning that it's about equipping the church and enlivening the church and enriching the church through a greater engagement with science. But it's also about helping the scientists themselves feel more at home and integrated in their church communities rather than being bored one out with opinions that are a little bit suspect. Absolutely. I think another thing that's really stood out to us as well, and it's quite a simple thing in one sense, of listening. And I think generally people just need to be listened and heard. So listening skills, and it's something we said we'd like to do more of, and it sounds quite a simple thing, but that, that has come out time and time again, that people have felt the benefit of being listened to and being heard. So I think, again, talking about scientists in churches that are maybe not being recognised and not being listened to. It can be very so therapeutic to feel like your views yeah. are being heard, and that can be true on both sides. Uh, of any kind of conflict, can't it, to, to, for Christians' fears and worries about what science can do to also just be listened to and heard before they're then addressed or told that they don't actually have to be afraid or something like that. Yes, yeah, very much. Because I think to listen, it's really active listening. It's digging in and asking people questions to really help them to empty themselves of what they're talking about. And I think generally, and this is just a very general statement, that I think we've got this sort of culture now that we all talk and we talk to each other, but we're not really encouraging 
the other person to talk and to hear them. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's been very interesting for us. That's wonderful. Petra, anything that surprised you? Yeah, three things really now will be succinct. First of all, that a lot of people from the community came to our services and our activity days and they said, oh, we didn't know that the church was dealing with these issues. How relevant, how interesting. And also not just caring for the climate and creation, but also very much the science and faith questions. We didn't get any negative feedback, even when we did a sermon on evolution or the Big Bang. People Ooh, quite enjoyed that. And secondly, people hopefully have learned to think a bit more holistically. So we're all about God's kingdom has started. Obviously, we need Jesus to come back to make everything good. We're broken people, but we are invited by God and we have actually the task to work in his kingdom. And science is part of that, exploring his wonderful world and people to help out with that, go into our local park and look out for animals or plants, but also see how can we actually care for the kingdom, including people as well as the climate. And then thirdly, going into the school, I've been amazed. It's a church school, but most of the children come from non-church backgrounds. But the faith that was already there within the children, amazing. And the openness to science and faith. I think we need to get in early. Young children as old as, or young as four or five, to show them that science is positive and God and Bible are positive and we can embrace both. But they answer different questions if you look into it further yeah. that's it that's incredible this and i think your particular project the word creation it can lead to such a broad range of possible responses because creation it can draw in this whole question of how we think as christians about evolution but it can also just give people a certain wonder and amazement at this world that god has given us in whatever way he gave it to us, whether through evolution or not. We can just learn to love the, this creation that God must love as well if God created it, and then just give us a healthier and more integrated way of living in this world. And even sharing a story about a scientist like Mary Schweitzer, who used to be a molecular biologist, and she became a paleontologist, and she's Christian, and she was looking at a T. rex femur bone And she smelled something funny and she detected there was living tissue in there. So she discovered collagen and cells and even blood vessels in that bone. She was the first person ever to detect this. Wow. And she she says in her testimony, God blessed me because he used my experience and gifts from the past. And she was sitting there with geologists who didn't smell anything. And then um, Uh out of that came came a lot more interesting information so i think sharing testimonies of christian scientists inspires all ages as well i know i think that's particularly true and important because i found out years after i started studying theology quite how many key scientists in the history of science were actually devout christians many of them were jesuits i think the jesuit movement has a huge amount of people who are very much at the forefront of science but across all different christian traditions And I think just to pick up on that sense of surprise, one of the things that surprised me is just the number of scientists who are within churches today across the whole range of science. So another one of our projects was in a church in a Cornish coastal town. 
which had a number of marine biologists and marine scientists within the congregation. Mm. And so they did a project around oceanography and theology. Now, I would have never imagined that you could actually begin to find ways to talk about oceanography and theology. And I, immediately some of the subjects like Big Bang and evolution uh, are things that we talk about. But Yeah, it's not one of the more obvious places you go. Yeah, That's right. So there's some surprising subjects there. I think also just to pick up on what my colleagues have said, what's been a surprise, I think, looking at overall these projects is just how popular they've been. And we didn't quite imagine just the way that it would bring in folk from the community in new ways. Now, of course, not all projects work. Sometimes you've got to try a project and you learn from the failure. But a number of these projects, projects such as bringing dinosaur skeletons into cathedrals, or Gaia, which is the big globe of the Earth, or the Museum of the Moon, also big globe of the moon surface. And these have encouraged the community to come into some of these buildings in new ways. And there's a church in, in Norwich, a historic church, which was just inundated with visitors for their exhibition. Schools, people just coming in off the street, they never had experienced so many people coming into the physical space of the church. And there's something about doing hosting these projects, hosting some science within the church, which surprises people, as Petra said, which says, oh, really, you're interested in these things as well. It shows people the scope of what the church engages with and is involved with. Very much so. And so that, that sense of the, uh, the response of those outside the church to this has been fascinating. That's incredible. All right, I've got two more questions if we've got time for these. We've been talking about, by and large, just churches getting more engaged with science. And what this project seems to encourage is just a growth of engagement with science. Have you encountered any examples within or without the project where you find that what matters is not just the amount of engagement, but the type of engagement? And are there ways that you think are less healthy for churches to engage in science? I think that the less popular projects have been what I might call the old style lecture series. Yeah, okay. Um, we've often done some of this stuff in churches with a series of lectures in Lent on science and theology or a straightforward teaching session on science and theology. Mm. I think this may be due to the pandemic, that some of the projects which worked during the pandemic and just post-pandemic suffered a little bit, I think, from hesitancy of people wanting to come and simply sit and listen to lectures. But it may also be that some of the more creative projects have been much more able to open up a kind of shared partnership with exploring between church and community than the expert simply coming and giving a lecture. So I think that's that's been a, an interesting observation. But I think your question about 
taking these subjects with some depth is really helpful. And both of the projects that have been talked about here have done that. Rather than just do a quick peripheral engagement of science and theology, actually to go down a bit into both the science and the theology. And sometimes if that means that you end up with unanswered questions, that you don't have an answer to everything, then that's Things that's a bit uncomfortable or ambiguous, yeah. Now, some some folk in churches don't like that. But my favourite disciple in the New Testament is Thomas, and he's often called the doubter. I think, actually, Thomas is the questioner. He's the person who wants to push the questions deeper with Jesus. And I think within John's Gospel, Thomas is often affirmed for asking the questions. And so I think, are we creating churches where people can ask questions, feel free to do that, not just if they're children, but also if they're adults, asking those obvious questions that many of us want to ask? And are they going to be listened to? Are we going to pay attention to them? And then can we think through theology in a way that gives engaging responses, but doesn't try to give simplistic responses? To sort of neatly tie everything up without any loose ends. That's right. And I think that's really important in this area, that we show authenticity to say, that's a really interesting question. Let's think together more about this. And yes, the Bible can say a number of things about this, but then there's still one or two questions which actually we don't know the answer to, and just being real about that. Yeah, so just accepting that science is always evolving, it's always exploring, it's always discovering new things, and we may need to be comfortable with the fact that the current sort of state of science and its engagement to theology leaves a few aporias, leaves a few confusing bits or bits that we can't quite work out or tie together. And actually we need to teach the congregations to be comfortable with that uncertainty and and uh, things we don't know the answer to yet. We may well in the future. Very interesting, very helpful. Okay, wh- one last question that we've got time for. How can anybody listening to this, you know, they want to get involved, they want to do something like this, but it's, it's, there's no longer a chance to be a, part, a formal or official part of the Scientists in Congregations project. What do you suggest? What next steps, what starting points can ordinary church members around the world do to start something like this? Yeah, well, maybe in a moment, uh, Deb and uh, Petra can, can actually say what, kind of follows on from their projects that they're doing. But let me just quickly come in, if I may, and say there is another opportunity for this because E-Class has been given another five-year life cycle. And part of that will be a new round of scientists in congregation awards. Oh, so they are going to open up for applications again. That's right. So that'll be advertised soon, uh, but the projects won't be until 2024. But our staff team here at Durham will be available to start talking with churches that might have an idea. 
So it may be a, a local church priest or pastor. It may be a scientist who's part of a local congregation. Details will appear on the E-Class website, and you'll be able to fix a time to talk with one of our staff on one of these programs who will not only be able to give some advice about the application, but we'll also have the wealth of learning that we've learned from the many scientists and congregations projects that we've already done. So they'll be able to say, this might work, or this might be more difficult to think about. And then also as part of the program, we're able to give some advice on how to market such projects, uh, how to try and make them effective. So there is, a, there is an opportunity for new projects. But I think your question is really important in terms of the work that my colleagues here are doing and what might be the consequences locally of the work that they've been doing and what might follow on from what they're doing. Yeah, so do tell us, Deb and Petra. I mean, I think my thought, and Rebecca and me were talking about this yesterday, and I think we thought really we just want people, anybody listening to be open to learning. I think we can have a mindset and not consider things like science, which I'll be honest, I'll have been in that category at one time. But to be open that this is not an anti-Christian thing, but it helps us to grow in our understanding and to engage more deeply with God as we understand ourselves better. So I think it is that sort of just to be open to learning new things and new new ways that we're not taking anything away from the Bible at all. It's just maybe exploring into the science and what it is. To um, take a learning attitude to life, basically. Yes, yeah. And, and on a, we're looking to roll out this the course again into sort of the autumn. We're still considering to go deeper with those that are on the journey with us, but to sort of replicate what we're doing as well, to create opportunities for others that, that might want to get on board as well. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Deb. Petra, what insights would you offer to anybody who wants to, or what suggestions to anybody who wants to get involved somehow? The books that have helped me greatly are The Language of God by Francis Collins and also Surprised by Scripture and Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. So perhaps a small group or a length course could study that book together and there's loads of other resources, but these are the ones that jumped out for me. We've been much blessed by E-Class all the way through and they've even um, given us money to get our own resources produced properly and translated into French and Dutch and Portuguese. Portuguese has to happen still, but there's a website and people can contact me for these resources or download those for free. So I don't know if you could share the website. I'll, and, I'll put the website um, in the notes to this episode and then anybody can get a link to it. That's fantastic. So there's more and more resources out there to help people get their congregations engaged with science in a way that uh, makes science no longer scary, but actually enriching and valuable and helpful to the life of the congregation. Thank you all so much for this fascinating discussion about how science can be such an enlivening resource for ordinary church congregations. It's been really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Faith at the Frontiers, a podcast produced in collaboration with The Tablet. If you liked this episode, then do subscribe to hear more like it in the future. For now, goodbye. Goodbye.